Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Chapters 12, 13, and 14 of Alcuin of York's Treatise on Virtues and Vices very clearly reflect the Christian framework and perspective that he's working in. They are on confession, repentance, and conversion to God. So these are things that are central to the Christian life and to you could say reformation of the individual human being. They connect up with some of the earlier chapters and they figure into the work as a whole. You could say that without these, from Alcuin's point of view, all the other stuff that you can do is great, but it's not going to take hold and really be effective. And one of the grand themes that runs throughout all three of these chapters is that human beings have a choice. They can engage in these things now, or they're going to happen later, but they're going to happen later in the life to come in a way that won't lead to anything good for the person, but will be happening too late for them. So confession, the uncovering of one's flaws, one's vices, one's sins, one's evil deeds. It's going to happen sooner or later. The question is, do you want to be, to some degree, in charge of when it happens? Likewise, repentance is going to happen sooner or later. Do you want to do it now or do you want to do it later? And then conversion is something that can't really happen later on, but you can choose to do now rather than at some future point within this particular life. So let's look at confession first. He tells us scripture exhorts us frequently to free to the medicine of confession. And so this is a common metaphor that gets used. Medicine at the time, now we disguise the taste of medicine in many ways. Or when we give somebody a shot, we often give them a painkiller first or something like that, something to numb the pain. Medicines were not generally liked in ancient and medieval times but they're good for you. And so you take them because it's better for you otherwise. Confession is absolutely essential because it allows sins, the bad things that we do, to be judged because they've been brought out in the open and then to be forgiven, as he says. So he says, Scripture exhorts us to this, not because God needs our confession. It's not like God has an interest in us confessing because God just, you know, has a, you know, he, he wants to know what's going on or something like that. I mean, you can see inside everybody's hearts anyway. He wants people to be honest about what's going on. So he says, we cannot be saved otherwise unless we confess the sins we unjustly or negligently have done. The person who accuses himself in his sins, the devil will not have him to accuse again in the day of judgment. So it's a way of like cheating the devil. That's actually kind of a throwaway line though, because what is it really about? He tells us it's a great medication, right? 
it helps to heal the person. And he says, he who hides his sins will not be set straight, but whoever has confessed and relinquished them, relinquished is the key thing there, will follow mercy. The great medication of salvation, this is a beautiful, beautiful line here, is not to repeat the things we have done wickedly, not to re-wound the scars of earlier wounds. So when we do things wrong, we're not just like, you know, offending the neighbor, offending God. We're, we're screwing ourselves up. We are wounding our own souls, sometimes our bodies as well. And so by not doing the same stupid thing or tempting thing again, we're not re-wounding the scars of previous wounds. And this is an interesting metaphor. Uh, you can find this used in other places. For example, Epictetus, the Stoic philosopher, in talking about anger and the need to like, you know, calm your anger, says don't lash yourself on the scar of a previous lashing, right? Don't reopen up the scars that are there. And confession allows this to happen, provided we don't do the same damn thing over and over and over again. So he says, now is the time for us to actually do that. Is the time of forgiveness to those repenting. If we wait around, we're going to repent later on, but it's not going to be particularly helpful. So he says, he who hides his sins and blushes to confess healthily now has God as a witness and he will have him as a revenger. A person judges himself most rightly in this time, lest he be judged by God to perpetual damnation. But he also says another thing. God desires our confession. And here's another interesting line. So that he has a just cause for forgiving. Now, forgiving is an action that seems to go against justice to a certain degree. If God is judging people in justice, then maybe he shouldn't forgive them. But here we see that mercy and justice can be tempered together. God can have a just cause in, in God's own view, right, for forgiving. So there's a very interesting dynamic here that is connecting these two things, justice and mercy, which often seem to be opposite to each other. And we're going to also see that involved in repentance when we move on to that one in chapter 13. So he says there's a lot of scripture quotes that say we should repent. The Savior himself, John the Baptist, in scripture, in, in Ecclesiasticus or Sirach, right? The prophet Isaiah. And then he talks about St. Peter talking about about the dog returning to its vomit, right? So repentance, poinitensia, involves two different things. Lamenting one's sins, that's really important. He's got this metaphor of lamenting, crying, tears, you know, being actually sad, sorrowful for the things that you did, but then not doing the same thing over and over and over again. And actually at one point, Alcuin says that if you're doing the same thing over and over again, if you're actually, you know, you're sad about it, but you're not changing your life, that's not really repentance. He is not washed clean who bewails what he has done, but does not desert it and after tears repeats what he has wept. About those who after tears return to worse, this is where St. Peter says the dog returns to its vomit, a phrase that you might have heard outside of a scriptural context, right? So 
Another thing that he says that's really, really interesting. How do we tell whether somebody really is repentant besides changing their life, changing their behavior? We can measure it, but you don't measure it according to time, right? By years, but instead by sadness of spirit. And he uses uh, St. Peter as an example here. If you don't know the story, when Christ has been betrayed and is being tried and will be executed, St. Peter, who's supposed to be this rock on which the community is going to be established, betrays Christ or denies Christ three times. And Peter is very, very upset about this, right? So it says, true repentance is not rated by number of years, but sadness of spirit. Once blessed Peter soon received forgiveness from the Lord, since he wept very sadly for the fault of these three denials. Although repentance may be of short time, if the interior of the heart is moved by sadness, it is not despised before the just judge God who considers the secrets of the heart God does not require length of time as much as weigh the state of sincerity, what, what's actually going on within you. So, you know, true repentance could actually be quite short. For example, the space of a few hours, right? The other thing that's really interesting here is this dynamic of mercy and justice is involved here as well. A little bit later, he says, God is merciful by nature and is prepared to save through mercy those whom he will not come to save through justice. He wants all to be saved and no one to perish, right? So God judges some injustice and in those judgments find some of them lacking and some of them just and the just, you know, they go on and they're good, right? What about the rest of us poor slobs who, if we're judged in justice, we're screwed? Well, you know, that's where the judging in mercy comes in. And that's where repentance opens up the door for this. Confession and repentance are not, from Alcuin's perspective, something that we give to a mean God who's demanding, you better give me what I want. No, it's instead opening up the possibility for the divine to judge us in mercy and say, well, you're sad. I get it. You screwed up. I'm going to let you in anyway. So that's a very important interplay between mercy and justice. And then the last thing in chapter 14, not delaying conversion to God, right? And there's two different titles for this in the manuscript. One is about conversion to God. The other is about not delaying conversion to God. So that kind of tells you where the emphasis lies. Now, what is conversion? So this comes from the Latin conversio, right? Vertere is to turn to twist. So you're looking over here, one direction, and you turn in another direction. Now your perspective has changed. Or you can turn from evil to doing good. You can turn away from God towards God, right? Just as you could to a person. And so one of the key things here is the question, when should you do this? Because, you know, you could wait until, as he says, tomorrow. You could put it off. You could say, like St. Augustine did, Lord, give me chastity and continence, but, but not yet because I still want to keep screwing around and indulging my sexual appetite, right? And we could do this with gluttony. Uh, I'm going to begin my diet tomorrow. My exercise program starts next week. Uh, we could go on and on. I'm going to curb my bad temper that I have. I know I lost my temper today, but tomorrow I'll fix that. So, you know, Alcuin is saying, 
a lot of people go down this line of logic, but it's not a very smart one. And he says, it's dissolute and paralytic uh, thought to think about tomorrow's conversion and neglect today's. Why do you neglect to be converted and do not fear that unexpected death may snatch away the day of conversion for you? Don't you know people die suddenly? I mean, you could die tomorrow. You could actually die today or tonight. So, you know, why don't you do this now? He says, God promises to you who are converting remission from sins. He has not promised to you security of living long. So the smart thing to do would be to convert right away. Convert and do penance. So all of these things, conversion would involve doing penance. It would also involve repentance. It would also involve confession. You see how these are connected to each other. And he's got a line of reasoning here for the people who pay very close attention to the worldly matters, but don't think about this issue of when are you actually going to start living a good life in a spiritual sense? He says, why do you love a bad life? Isn't that a stupid thing for you to do when a good life is available? And here's his line of reasoning. He says, tomorrow you will say, I will convert. Why not today? What evil you say if I were to say tomorrow? What evil if today? Perhaps you will say my life will be long. I will say, if it should be long, let it be good. In short, let it also be good. Who would bear a long evil? You don't want to have a long, bad meal and you want to have a long, bad life. You buy a house, you want a good one. You want to take a wife, you seek a good one. You want sons born to you, you wish for good ones. And if I may talk about the cheapest things, you buy shoes and you don't want bad ones, but you are perfectly content with a bad life? How does that make sense? Isn't that imprudent? Isn't that foolish? Isn't that bad for you? And he goes on and he says, don't delay. You know, why does your life offend you, which you wish alone to be bad so that among your good things, only you may be bad, the center of your life. Neither should you delay to be converted to God and don't defer from day to day. You know, this is the smart way to do things. So all three of these are intimately connected with each other. And all three of them are posing the reader with a kind of decision that they are being called upon to make, one of which with conversion has to do with today or tomorrow. The other two have to do with, are you going to do it in this life or are you going to do it in the next life where it's going to be under circumstances that won't work out quite so well for you? So very important chapters in the heart of Alcuin's On Virtues and Vices. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.